We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. For the Vandals of Idaho. Welcome back, Tribe from the North of Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals in the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. So we made it not even through the intro, and Martin has sprinted towards amateur hour. Man, just having the week's off is killing us, but he's already here. Uh, Martin, you're having a good time. Yep. For listeners who may have missed something, uh, what, what, why are you dying right now? Uh, Dallas decided to do a little jolty shock face, and it caught me off guard. Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> so it was, it was an amateur hour duo. And speaking of which, the second <laughs> half pause. of that duo. Is Patrick listening right now? Because Patrick seems to be always the guy clipping things. Now we've got Brian muttering, motherfucker, Jesus Christ. And I don't even remember what that one was, but it was really good. We just need to pull that again. You know, we're, look, every, if you're new, the first guy who talked is Martin. He's a producer. The second guy who talked is Dallas. He's a co-host. We're done introing because everyone else knows who we are. We're now at three minutes of dicking around. We, and we, This is a, an episode that I'm pretty stoked about because we have something a lot of other places don't have anywhere near in relation to Big Sky Media Day, which took place on Monday, July 25th. By the way, I'm, I'm Brian Marceau. So we're going to jump right into Around the Bar, guys. Uh, brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. We have a 21-minute interview between me and Jason Eck at Media Day. Uh, just so you guys know, Media Day itself, it's all conducted in one big room. So there's 10 coaches plus all the media figures plus other plus administrators. Uh, in short, there's a lot of stuff going on in one room. So the, the sound quality is a little bit different than what you're used to out of tubs at the club. Jason Eck comes across absolutely fine. My voice comes across a little softer. Listeners, uh, what you're going to have to do is just listen to Jason Eck because he, he gives answers. You can tell the question. If you can't hear what I said, you can tell what question I asked based off what uh, Coach Jason Eck says. If you are watching, you Martin is going to bring up par a paraphrased version of the question on screen. So before... Without further ado, again, Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. Martin, I'm ready to throw it to myself on Monday interviewing Jason Eck, unless you or Dallas want to speak one more piece of context before we start. I will add quick context. Again, if you are listening and you cannot understand what Brian is saying, we have captioned or pseudo captioned all of his questions so if you're listening to a podcast right now and 30 seconds from now you're like i can't understand a word brian is saying come pull up the youtube video we do have it captioned so you at least understand the questions before x starts answering them and with that we bring you jason eck all right head coach jason eck here big sky media day so jason Everything's new, of course, with the new head coach. A question a lot of people are interested in right now. In the spring, you guys signed Javori Jabor, Gibbs. Yes. We're going from South Dakota State. First question, health-wise, have you have you gotten to see him in 
in practice at all since he transferred over? I've been able to see him in, in some individual drills where he's working with Coach Schleisner and then running in the uh, running and lifting in the weight room. Uh, you know, we can't watch him when they're out throwing seven on seven and things like that, but he's doing that. Uh, he's in good health. He, he's working as hard as I've ever seen him work, and uh, I think he's doing a really good job. So mobility-wise, so compared to when you, you, of course, coached him as offensive coordinator at South Dakota State, how, how does he look compared to when you saw him? I, I, I think he looks as good as ever. You know, you're, 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 uh, I think any time a guy's had a couple injuries like that, you hold your breath a little bit and stuff uh, with things. But uh, he's a good athlete. You know, he's not, um, you know, Lamar Jackson's not his game. You know, he, you know, he wasn't quite the athlete maybe as like Mark Gronowski was, uh, you know, who was our quarterback, uh, you know, after him in the, in the, the 2020 season. But, but he's a solid athlete and uh, throws it very well, very strong arm. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a unique you know, you know, quarterback competition. You know, CJ is such a great athlete. You know, he, he's uh, probably the fastest and the biggest and the strongest. So you watch him when they're running sprints all summer. He's leading you know, the group every time. And, you know, Jabori's got a strong arm. Uh, you know, I think Jabori has a really good uh, demeanor for a quarterback. He's very even keeled. Uh, and then... Giovanni's, you know, he, he's got uh, kind of that moxie you want in a quarterback. I think he's a really good leader. You know, I think he's uh, confident. You know, I think he's, uh, you know, does a lot of little details right. So it's going to be a, a good battle, and we got to do a good job as a staff sorting it out and sorting it out quickly. You know, I, I, it's like uh, presidential elections. You got to call stuff. You can't wait till it's. If you wait till all the ballots are in, then it's you didn't get enough reps for the guy who's going to start against Washington State. So we got to do a good job of. Uh, projecting the race early and getting a lot of reps and then uh, starting to funnel it to the guy who's going to be our starter as camp goes on. You, you've talked about it a little bit. Like our listeners have seen, they've seen CJ play at least some. Yeah. We've seen Giovanni play at least some. Do you, can you give a little bit of description about like if Jab- if Jabore is the guy, not that he is, but if, if he were to become the guy, uh, could you talk a little bit about, or could you describe what kind of player as a quarterback he is? Yeah, you know, he's played, you know, quite a bit. You know, he, he uh, played very well against Minnesota. You know, we, we played them in uh, 2019 in the season opener. Uh, you know, again, I think he delivers the ball well. He can, you know, do some things running the ball. You know, he had a long run against Youngstown State when we, when we beat them in 2019. Uh, he stands in the pocket well, delivers the ball, very strong arm. I think he can make every throw. Uh, you know, the first drive against uh, North Dakota State, him versus Trey Lance, and they were both freshmen. That was a big game in 19 when college game day was there. You know, let us right down the field. We, we stalled out in the red zone to kick the field goal, but, you know, the first play of the game, he ran a quarterback run for a you know, first down and then delivered a perfect uh, slot fade to Kay Johnson, who's a you know, really good player at the Seahawks right now, and, you know, just let us right down the field. Um, so he's a good player. Like I said, I, I think it's – they all have played. You know, it's not – that's the nice thing. It's not like any of these guys have never taken a snap in college. They've all – uh, played quite a bit, and uh, it's going to be an exciting battle here. Another transfer that's uh, kind of a big, it was a big headline for us when you when Idaho got him is Paul Malala from Notre Dame. Health-wise, his injury was Achilles. Yes, he's done both Achilles. So we got, we got a double Achilles and a double ACL. Okay, health-wise, how, how is he? He's in good shape. You know, I think with all these guys, we're going to have to do a good job of monitoring him and keeping him fresh. You know, I think that'll be a... Uh, you know, building the depth in our program where we need it to be will be a 
multi-year you know process so I, you know i think we're gonna have to have, do a good job of how we structure things to keep guys healthy you know the way we worked out our fall camp schedule we'll never practice more than four days in a row you know we'll have off days built in and you know some guys who may have to limit their reps a little bit to keep them healthy you know there's been times I think with paul this summer you know doing sprints and stuff has had a limit a little bit and make sure if things are feeling tight you know we gotta trust those guys and listen to their body and listen to our training staff uh, with doing that, but I think he's going to help us. I mean, uh, I like to uh, defensively. I like to play a lot of guys because uh, I think you can play harder and keeps guys fresher that way. And I, th- I think we're going to have a good. Uh, you know, I, I think we're going to have pretty good depth on defense. I think we'll have some guys we can play where we're not going to be you know, an iron eleven who never come off the field. I think we'll be able to play guys and keep guys fresh and play really hard on defense. Since the spring ended, you guys added Caleb Heim, say his last name, yes. okay. as strength and conditioning coach as well as Jack Russell. He's the assistant. Yeah. So in bringing Caleb and Jack, I know Caleb's background, he'd been at South Dakota, correct? <laughs> what What does he add to the coaching staff? Well, I, you know, I think going back to South Dakota, you know, South Dakota, you know, you know, they beat us the last few times we played them at South Dakota State. And... Uh, they were beating us on recruits a lot, you know, so it was, you know, they were taking guys and developing guys who weren't really heavily recruited in the conference and they were becoming really good players and they, they played really hard and uh, were strong. You know, Coach Ball from Northern Arizona was talking to me about that. They went out and played them last year and just how big that team was and how physical they were. And I think they beat the heck out of Northern Arizona last year. Uh, you know, so I like that. I like that. You know, I want to be a great developmental program. And then I also want to have great energy in there. You know, I think, uh, you know, your morale of your team is so important, you know, and you want guys to be excited every day to go in the weight room and feel like they're getting better every day that they're in there. And I think he's done a great job with that this summer of uh, motivating our guys and having them ready to go every day. And, uh, you know, again, it's another thing where I think his, uh, the, the effects of him will, will really be a process over a few years, but I think we're off to a great start and very happy with how the first summer's gone. Since the spring and Hey, one piece I have to add, guys, and we're going to jump right back to the video. In a minute or two, you're going to hear Jason Eck sound like he is talking to someone who is not me. And the reason he sounds that way is because he is talking to someone who's not me. Uh, There's a little back and forth between Eastern Washington was the table just to the left of University of Idaho. So there's a little bit of banter between Jason Eck and Eastern Washington head coach Aaron Best. Are there any any transfers or, or how many transfers have you guys picked up since the spring season and that'll be playing for the 2022? Uh, you know, Jabori's in the mix, Paul Moala, uh, Juliano Falanico from USC is doing a really good job, uh, you know, contributing. He's you know, he's big. He's 245 and will play you know defensive end for us. Uh, Mervyn Kenyon from San Francisco City College. I think he's a really nice player. I think he's really going to help us at safety. You know, I think he'll be a guy who can, you know, push Matthias at free safety and also, you know, give us some flexibility with some nickel packages. And Coach Arwich always had a really good third down package at uh, South Dakota. And we, we didn't get too much into that in the spring with sub packages, but I like that. I think it's good to, uh, to have some good sub packages uh, that way. So th- those are really the the main guys we've added and you know the the big thing we wanted to do is we wanted to bring in guys who could be major contributors and difference makers as transfers you know uh 
kind of drew a line. We didn't want to bring in, I think it's a trap to bring in transfers to be backups and transfers for depth because you're better off taking a high school kid that you can develop over five years that way. So we, we drew a line and there were some guys that we wanted to add that we didn't get, you know, usually losing them to FBS schools and, you know, that's fine. We want, we, we didn't want to, we didn't want to keep going down the list and get guys who weren't good enough to, to, to go where we wanted to be. Um, you know, and again, I think that's going to cause us to be a little thin, like in positions like O-line this year. You know, we're going to have to do a good job of keeping those guys healthy and developing guys. I'd still like to, we have six freshman O-linemen this year. I'd like to redshirt them all. Uh, and I hope we can stay healthy so we can do that. But, uh, you know, we may have to use that four-game rule, you know, and play some of those guys four games to, uh, you know, to help our, our depth that way. And we're still, you know, we're still, there's still a few guys we're keeping an eye on right now to see if we could add a guy late who, you know, there's some guys in junior college who are taking summer classes and got to pass one more math or English class here, you know, right down to the wire that, uh, that we could add uh, there. But, uh, you know, again, we didn't want to, uh, you know, we didn't want to take any guys who really were Division II players just to fill a spot. We'd rather take a really big high school class, and we're off to a really good start with our 23 recruiting uh, with a bunch of commitments so far, and I think that's going to be a, uh, a big class. And we want to build it mostly through high school kids. You know, again, I think ideally we'll be, you know, 20 to 22 high school kids in the class, and three to five transfers is really probably the sweet spot where we want to be in as we build this program. On our, one of our favorite listeners shows, Johnny Ballgame, KTIK, you said you will not be calling plays. Yes. For, for a ton of people, that's a surprise because of your background. Uh, you tell us why, at this point, at this point, why do you feel that's the best one? Well, I, I think as a head coach, you have to, uh, and I really went back, you know, the one thing I was fortunate I wasn't always fortunate at the time because that caused me to move around a lot, but I worked for 12 assistant coaches. There's 12 head coaches during the time when I was an assistant coach from, you know, from 19, my first year coaching was 1999. So from 1999 to 2021, in those 22 years, I worked for 12 different head coaches. And, uh, you know, for you know, a lot of, a lot of kind of goofy situations, you know, Nick Holt left after two years, Dennis was here less than a year. At Minnesota State Mankato, we had a interim coach situation. So, you know, we had two great years. We had two seasons where he went 11-0, and but it was two different head coaches. Uh, you know, I worked for Rob Ashes last year when he gets let go at, at Montana State. Uh, because of that, I was able to kind of take a little bit from all those guys. And just one thing when I really look back on uh, all those guys I worked for, I felt like the guys who called plays lost a little connection. And I, I think in college – you have more stuff really on your plate than, uh, than like an NFL coach. You know, you have, you know, there's, there's media for both, but you got to worry about, you know, academics in college. You know, something you don't have to worry about at all in the NFL. And that's important, staying on top of that. Recruiting is so, is so different. You know, in the NFL, you have a general manager who, you know, really handles your recruiting. You know, you're not, that's something that's not on your plate. Um, so I think it's a little easier at that level, you know, to call plays and, and uh, be active that way, where I think, in college, it's so important to have the, you know, the whole team energized and the whole team, you know, playing for you. And if you, you know, to really do a good job as a play caller, and you got to be at, at practice, you got to be with the offense the whole time. And I also think sometimes when, uh, you know, when, when you're tied into one side of the ball, if you have a, uh, a bad day on offense and you're and you're running the offense, your your tone and message when you're talking to the team is is negative. You know, we we had a bad practice today. We're really 
you know, I, I think to me the best way, the, the way that most people respond the best is they respond to positivity. You know, I think it's better to, if the defense kicks the offense's butt to practice one day, it's great to praise the, the defense for that and then have the offense. I want to get praised. we got to come back and be better the next day. Um, so that was a big reason, and, and, and that was why it was so critical to hire Luke because Luke was my right-hand guy, a guy who I put a lot of trust in uh, with at, um, at South Dakota State. And uh, I'm still going to have a lot of you know influence on, on the offense and a lot of uh, design and the game plan. But having him focus on that full time, I think, will allow me to have you know, more of an impact on, on defense and the impact on special teams. Because, you know, I, I always thought that even when, uh, you know, Coach Alvarez was a, uh, you know, a delegator more as a head coach. And, you know, when you were, you know, we were doing our O-line drills in practice, you know, if he'd come by and watch our O-line drills, I think the intensity picked up a little bit when the head coach was right there watching. And, you know, I want to be able to do that for the whole team and go you know, be around the defense, be around the special teams and have an impact that way. So that's, uh, I, I just think it gives us our best success. And, and uh, you know, another thing in the NFL, you're dealing with one booster, <laughs> the owner. <laughs> you know, in college, there's a lot of boosters. You know, you have to spend time with that. And I think raising money is such a critical thing in college athletics right now to fund what you need uh, with nutrition. So just, just uh, <laughs> I just think it's the best use of our resources. And, and, and again, just like, uh, I think President Green and, and uh, Terry Gallick have hired me to do a job, and they, they're not micromanaging me and what I want to do. I want to do that with the, the you know our assistants as well, and let them let them grow and go. So, in terms of style of play, is there any college or NFL? Don't care. Is there any team you are hoping Idaho stylistically looks like that be a good comparison? You know. Uh, Recent or past? You know, I, I, you know, when you look at how we built our, our, our staff, you know, and this is not you know, one of those common knowledge, saying like an NFL team, but I, I'd like to do a lot of what we did, like at South Dakota State offensively, which we did a great job of, you know, tailoring our scheme to our players. And we had great pass catchers, and you know, we, we threw it more. When we had great backs, we ran it a little bit more. Uh, you know, I really liked what Coach Arwich did at South Dakota, which is why I hired him to be the defensive coordinator because I thought he did a great job of. You know, taking some guys who had, you know, maybe one FCS offer and made those guys all conference players uh, on defense, and, and uh, had enough flexibility to do that. So really, that and that's, you know, again, I know people, probably a lot of our fans probably don't know a lot of what South Dakota's defense looked like or South Dakota State's. So that probably doesn't help them. Uh, you know, offensively, you know, we, we do like to motion a lot. We like to you'll have a lot of pre-snap movement to try to screw up guys on defense. You know, some of the teams in the NFL who do that a lot would be like the 49ers and the Rams. Uh, you know, on defense, we do, you know, one thing I really liked about Coach Arwich's package was his, you know, sim pressures on third down where you blitz, but you're you're only rushing four guys. You know, you're dropping some guys out. You know, I think Georgia does a really good job with that. We try to put it more in the terms of the things people have, have watched. But I always thought that was a tough thing going against their defense when I was at South Dakota State is, you know, sometimes they'd blitz and they'd eat up your back and your back would have to block one of those four rushers, but they were playing zone coverage behind. So now your back's eating up. He doesn't get out on a route. You have four receivers out there, but they have seven guys on coverage. So if, you, if they have seven guys on coverage and we only have four receivers getting out, you know, really they can double cover three of your receivers and you got one one-on-one. And, you know, it's tough sometimes for the – college quarterbacks to find that you know one-on-one you know where to go with the ball so hope that answers, it does. answers your question last question i have 
So if Idaho, say Idaho, let's say Idaho makes playoffs, or whatever goals you have, let's say Idaho gets those. Our, 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 our goal would be to make the playoffs, but I, I, the biggest thing that I think we have to focus on is we got we to focus on continuing to get better. And there's going to be adversity. We're probably not going to go 11-0 this year. So we got to make sure uh, that when we have a tough loss and we're not hanging our head, we got to come back to work on Monday and get better throughout the week. And, you know, we're going to have a win when we surprise people this week. And when that happens, you know, everyone's going to be patting us on the back and saying what a great job and that's a great win for us. But we can't we can't listen to that. we got to come back on Monday because there'll still be a lot of things that we got to fix and we got to keep getting better at if Idaho reaches whatever goals those are, what are a few things that probably went right? Uh, you know, I think we, I think we we'd stay healthy. I think protect, particularly in the O line, which is I think our uh, probably what's that? I'm uh, I had better I had better I had better hair than you. I, I I definitely had better hair than you. That's probably the one the one thing. You're you're a little you're a little leaner than me right now. I'm a little heavier than you right now. But I got better hair. Uh, I think we got to stay healthy. I, I think we got to keep, uh, you know, having a lot of guys make some jump and, or jumps. And I think that's the key in, in FCS football. It's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not about winning battles and five-star recruits in FCS football. You know, like, you know, North Dakota State's a great team. You know, I think they'll probably beat Arizona the first, you know, the first game. But they didn't beat Arizona any of those kids in recruiting. <laughs> you know, they didn't beat, you know, those, those weren't kids who were turning down Pac-12 offers to go there or Big Ten offers, but they got them a lot better. You know, they kept improving. So I think we'd have to uh, improve a lot. I think we'll have to do a great job of protecting the football, not beating ourselves. I think that's something that, uh, you know, good teams do. They make yourself tough to beat. You don't have a lot of uh, foolish pre-snap penalties. You don't, you don't turn the ball over. You don't give up. Uh, you know, big plays. You know, you make teams earn it. Really play well uh, to beat you. And, you know, again, I think staying staying healthy and having a little uh, luck that way is uh, important along the way as well. And uh, we'll have to, uh, you know, we're gonna have to win a game that uh, you're an underdog. You, know, you gotta, you know, between the two Power Five games and then, you know, playing at Montana will be a tough game. Or we'll be an underdog playing at Sac State. It was eight zero in the league next year. I mean, you got to find a way to to win one of those games that. Uh, they, they, people probably think on paper right now that you don't have a shot to win. <laughs> and, uh, you know, belief, you know, having guys believe in themselves and, uh, you know, having them confident is important to do that. Okay, actual last question. Did, with, like, the news around realignment that obviously hasn't impacted the big sky, has that trickled down into, like, discussions with the recruits and recruits' families for, like, the 2023 class? It, it, it really hasn't. Um, it really hasn't too much. You know, I think, uh, you know, you joke around with it a little bit. Uh, you know, the guys on, on uh, Twitter who follow FCS football, you know, you know, talk about that. You know, the Kibbe Dome needs to be back in the Pac-12 and, you know, some things like that, which is which is fun and funny. But, I, you know, I think... Uh, I think we have great leadership in this conference, and uh, you know Tom Tom Wistersill, I think has a great vision for where it is, and I, and I think you know he he told us as head coaches, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. There's going to be some programs that are separating, probably the top, whatever it's whether it's 20 teams or 40 teams or 60 teams that are going to kind of be different than everybody else. Um, I think FCS is a pretty good place to be. You know, I think the group of five schools is really there's like a little question: Are they going to be able to try to go with those teams and move up, or are they going to be kind of left behind by that? So I, I think FCS football. One thing I really like about it is I think it's 
it's, it's much more truer to what college sports were meant to be when college sports started you know, 100 years ago, where now I think the Power Five level, level is totally, every decision is just based on money. And uh, I think our level is really good with, you know, you'll have opportunities and guys like, you know, Cooper Cup or, you know, you know Jared Allen and some of those guys who, who can be going, become great pros. But, you know, for a majority of our roster, you know, I, I hope that we can get to the point where we have five or six guys getting opportunities in the NFL, but it's always going to be a vast majority of our players are not going to be pros, so uh, hopefully we're helping develop them for life so they go off and have a great career and are better you know, husbands and better fathers, and uh, it's a life-changing opportunity, you know, getting a degree from uh, the University of Idaho, and I, I think that's part of our uh, you know, emphasis on, on recruiting the Northwest, and we want to do a great job with that because I think the Idaho degree is a powerful thing. I think, you know, a guy comes here, has a great career, ends up with the Big Sky Conference championship ringer. He's going to have a lot of options, especially if he would live down like in that Treasure Valley. <laughs> I think that could be something for the next 40 years of his life could have a huge impact and the connections he made and the Vandals are such a, I think, a strong and prideful alumni base that they, you know, they want to help other Vandals and, and look out for those guys. So that's something that we've, uh, you know, really tried to use and emphasize to our recruits is that uh, that's a great connection. Now, that helps a lot more, you know, if you recruit guys from, from Florida, they're probably not thinking that, <coughs> that they want to live in Boise the rest of their life or something. So I think that's a much better selling point to a kid in the Northwest than it is to kids who are from far away. So that's a big reason. And, you know, again, you look at the best teams in FCS football, a lot of them are getting most of their players, you know, from neighboring states <laughs> or their home state. And uh, you know, North, North Dakota State didn't go to California to get Trey Lance. They got them from Minnesota, a bordering state, and uh, that's what we're trying to build. No problem, Brian. And, uh, Appreciate all your coverage. We're going to get the reaction in a second, but Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perced Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, run amazing whitewater. I said that twice. Taking the, the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just you just bring your clothes. Let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expedition has been Vanville owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Yes, I got lost in the text there. So, um, look, Martin is still a producer. Dallas, you have been on the shelf for a while. Throw it to you. Uh, Take this wherever you want, man. Uh, Jason Neck talked about a ton of stuff. I mean, I'm going to just go right into the the middle of the interview. The answer about why he's not calling plays is so refreshing to me, and I don't mean to bring up the issues that we may or may not have had with the previous regime of Idaho football. But the one of the common complaints that we have heard that we don't we don't put people's names out there, but a lot of the, like the complaints that we've heard is. Paul was so focused on what 
he was trying to do as the play caller that he he would let other things just slip and not make those connections with kids and to hear that Eck is doing the exact opposite and is giving up play calling as he has obviously proven he's very very good at it he's just getting he's going to give that up because he knows that to be a head coach the way he wants to be a head coach he needs to be more involved everywhere rather than just calling plays i love that i am I am so excited about about Vandal football. I cannot wait for the first game. Like, I know it's going to be hard to temper expectations a little bit. Excuse me, expectations a little bit because again, new guy bringing in new players. We're going to have to give him a couple of years to kind of rebuild from where we are and and see where the program goes. But the just the guy is winning everything he can right now. Like, obviously, we have to see that actual football happen. But the answers he gives to to these types of questions are so well thought out. And so thorough, and there's there's such good reasoning behind the things he says. I could not be more happy about that, Brian. Yeah, I'm going to pull the curtain back on me for a second. To pay rent, I'm a teacher. And what Jason Eck described as he wants to, part of what he wants to be able to do and what he is doing and what we've had people tell us is happening in practice is if he's the offensive coach and the offense isn't doing well, the natural reaction is to get on the offense to get better, which we look, that's full disclosure. We were told that's what Paul did. Paul, when we say Paul, if you're a new listener, it's Paul Petrino, former University of Idaho head coach. What Jason next describing is actually pretty sound educational theory in terms of trying to um, create energy and a positive atmosphere by creating uh, the incentive people are looking for would be praise there. So he he's showing that, hey, the way you get praise is you do the right thing, you kick ass. Whereas the incentive structure and what we're, we're told Paul Petrino did, the incentive was to avoid something negative, which is, those are two very different things in terms of building a type of culture. And uh, that's where I'm going to pivot to Caleb Heim, new strength and conditioning coach. One of the reasons we are told Caleb Heim was picked out of South Dakota was the energy he has both interpersonally and just with how he orients himself with teams as a whole is that kind of in your face, holding the line, but in a positive kind of way to get people pumped up, not in, again, not to create the incentive structure of avoiding critique, to create the incentive structure of being praised for doing the right thing, but it's an aggressive type of praise. Um, that's that's one of two things I think are great that are coming out of Jason Eck that I, if I think everyone should be stoked about that. I'm gonna pivot now and throw it to Dallas. There is some news that he talked about for us to look at, now, this is speculation, us, you know, kind of parsing his words. Jason Eck talked about not bringing in transfers to not start, which doesn't mean they get the starting job just because they're a transfer, but shifting to the quarterback thing. If what he is saying about Jabore Gibbs is correct and Jabore Gibbs is healthy and he's going to be fine. And Jason Eck on our show now and on Johnny Ballgame's show has said he he doesn't want to do the Paul thing where people are wondering who the starting quarterback is four weeks into the season. He wants this done in two weeks or okay. Two weeks is a time frame I just made up. He wants it done quickly. He wants most, he doesn't, he does not want to have necessarily equitable reps for a month and a half of, between three guys. He wants a guy picked pretty quick. Again, speculation that makes it sound like if Jabore Gibbs is healthy, the fan, if you're making your power ranking of who to expect, I'd say that the safest gamble right now would be to gamble on Jabari Gibbs as a starting quarterback. I couldn't agree more. Um, obviously, he had he had nice things to say about CJ there, uh, about being the best athlete in the room. 
Um, we've obviously spoken very highly about what we think of CJ and, and his potential here, but it does like, it, it, I don't think Gibbs is going to be given the job. I don't think Eck is that kind of coach, but it, it definitely is. If you're going to bet on somebody, I at this point, it sounds like bet on Gibbs because he is going to get a shot here. And like he said, the guys that are transferring in here, Paul Moala, uh, Giuliano Falanico. I think Falanico. I said that right. Falanico. Bingo. See, I was close enough. Uh, like they're bringing in guys to to play. They're not bringing them in to to just fill roster spots. Like now, if CJ comes out there, or Geo, or Ridge Dutchacall, or I don't know, Nathan Cisco comes back. If somebody comes and wins this job, obviously Gibbs is a, per- a great person to have in the room, helping just make that room better with the experience he has. I know he's missed so much of his career with injuries, but there is there is reason to have Gibbs even if he does not start or does not even play. However, it certainly does kind of line up like he's maybe not the leader in the clubhouse, but he's the one to keep the eye on. Uh, right. And of course, Dallas explained the subtext of, right, like obviously you heard Jason Eck. He didn't say who the starter was. He made it clear someone has to earn it. But that's why I was saying speculating, putting pieces together of what he said. Uh, I want another piece to put together here, not just to talk about Jabari Gibbs, but just the team into the future. Jason X answer to the team comparison in terms of what we're going to, what we're going to see. I mean, it was, you can't see it on in that video because you weren't, it's not a video. Jason, that kind of laughed when he said, well, like South Dakota state would be the comparison in all likelihood, which I'm only bringing that up because for a long time, Jason Eck has given the answer of what the team's going to look like is, Hey, we got to see what the talent's going to be. And look, we're still there in terms of nailing this down, but look, the, the roster is for the most part, what's going to be for the start of the season. Now it's sorting out the hierarchy of the, of the roster. If you're a listener who's wondering, Hey, what is the strategy probably going to look like? Well, it sounds like it's going to be a hybrid of offensively South Dakota, South Dakota state and defensively South South Dakota. And if you're a really enterprising, really motivated listener, you can hop on ESPN plus both those teams in Missouri Valley conference teams. You can watch a little bit of their games. And that sounds like strategically that's what Idaho is going to be for this upcoming season. Uh, Not exactly shocked because that's where the component parts and the coaching staff came from. But look, we've forever been trying to put the pieces together of what we might be seeing. And this is why I preface this by, this interview by telling people you don't even have to know what I'm asking. Jason X just answering the questions. Like this isn't speaking in tongues or something like that. He answers things directly. I, I think it's great to hear that probably the knee jerk reaction of what Idaho would look like based off who we have as our coaching staff and based off the talent that we're aware of on the team, meaning that we've seen, we're going to be some version of like a South Dakota state slash South South Dakota schematically, uh, that gets me excited to call Ty Graham and order my season tickets. Absolutely. And the one thing I, I want to point out for anybody that doesn't particularly follow South Dakota State or the Missouri Valley, they just had three different quarterbacks in three years. They, they have been a good team regardless of who is playing quarterback. And that's the that's the big thing to, to point out in the, that statement is they had they had Gibbs. He got hurt. Mark Gronowski, he got hurt. They brought in Chris Oladokun. They have had guys going. Oladokun is in the NFL now out of just one year at SDSU when he transferred in. Like, 
this is this is going to be a team build that is not 100% focused on the quarterback and that's that's awesome. I mean, obviously the quarterback is the guy that touches the ball every play. Well, I mean, you have the wildcat. But realistically, every offensive play the quarterback is going to touch the ball. He's the most important player. However, this is a team that is going to get built around things other than the quarterback. And that's what's exciting to see. He talked about the motion. He talked about like doing things that make quarterbacks lives easier rather than just putting it all on the quarterback's arm and hoping he goes out there and, and scores 30. Yeah. Another, another piece to take away Dallas is when, and this is, look, this is one of the concerns Idaho is going to have, and it's not exactly a shock, but Jason Eck referenced it is offensive line depth is, Look, there's still a couple guys who may be added between now and August. It's August 4th or August 2nd. The practice starts. I'd have to look at a calendar. But uh, look, we in the spring, uh, we we did see, hey, quarterback and offensive line needed to look better. It was hard to completely separate how much of this is the team being new, how much of this is the offensive line had multiple quarterbacks they're playing with, not just one to get used to how much of this was, how can a quarterback get relaxed when the offensive line is struggling? It, it, it was very difficult to know which of those things you would rank as like the biggest issue and which was a complimentary issue, but uh, looks like something we've brought up multiple times, Dallas and last in previous episodes is um, offensive line. This next season is going to, how, how the offensive line performs is probably going to dictate a lot of how this team actually is but looking into the future this is probably one of the position groups to expect within two or three seasons the most growth which is something Eck, you know i mean x talked about it that look the guys north dakota state has they're not starting as freshmen they have a good strength and conditioning program they build the guys he got at south dakota state they weren't starting. They weren't all FCS level or tran- FBS transfer level guys after one year. It just takes time. And that is one of the things that we're, you know, we're very close to that uh, tempering expectations discussion at some point for the actual season. Uh, but, you know, offensive line is going to have a pr- probably a gigantic footprint on how Idaho actually sorts itself. We're going to talk about preseason polls in a second. Dallas, any other points that uh, Jason Eck brought up that you want to go over? I have a handful of things I could go over, but I know that we're we're pretty deep into this already. Um, so uh, the we, we've already talked about the stylistically resemble stuff. We've talked about the the him not calling plays. I thought it was very interesting that the goal was let's try to make the playoffs. Like I I loved that. Like have the confidence that that this is a team that can do that. Obviously, he, as he mentioned, you're not going to go undefeated, but let's let's have some optimism. Let's have some hope because I think he knows at the end of the day, yes, his job is to win football games, but he was also hired to bring interest back to this program. The, like we saw the Kibbe Dome last year, how empty it was. We saw how nobody cares about Idaho. I don't think the spokes. It feels like the spokesman's not even going to have a writer this year. Like. Idaho coverage is dripping away, not to toot our own horns, but we're some of the only coverage left for Vandal football or Vandal sports in general. I think the, the way I read into that was Eck just knows he's got to put a positive face out there. He can't come out here and say, like, yeah, the offensive line and the quarterback situation, we're going to maybe win four games and hopefully we'll be better in a couple of years with all of the freshmen that we've we've brought in. But the just the framing of this is just – 
it's miles different having a coach that that understands the PR aspect of of media days. Like that, none of this is for like the rest of the coaches to learn about each other. This is for the media and and getting people a little bit of excitement about hey, football's back, new season, new faces, new coaches, new game plans. Like that's what we're here for. I I don't know. I just can't speak highly about that enough because I, I it's been so long since we've had that. I know we went from Aki, the most charismatic coach in the history of football to the least charismatic coach in the history of football. And now we're back on the upswing again with a guy who, who understands you have to get people excited about the program. Like, yes, if you start winning a ton of games, people will buy in, but you have to find ways to engage the fan base. And I just, I, I can't, I can't talk about how, how exciting that is enough. Yeah. Look, the, the other thing, this is something that I think a lot of guys who listen to our show have thought of, which is, you know, Jason net coming across as a breath of fresh air. Um, look, you guys just listened to 20 minutes. He was direct, uh, but by the way, media day, there's a lot of people there and he was fine to go 20 minutes with the podcast, which like, look, we, we do, we do work pretty hard to make sure that this is, this adds value. But I mean, you know, keep in mind, like when we're in media, when I'm in media day, there's a lot of people who pay rent based off being journalists. They have a lot, a lot more background. Uh, I mean, act and increasingly, at least with football university of Idaho are fine uh, to keep, keep themselves available for, for stuff like this, stuff like us. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on all that. I will just as a little asterisk, I stopped asking coaches directly what their goal is because no one ever says anything but playoffs. I, I And another thing, I don't ask for uh, characteristics of teams because everyone always says they want their team to be tough. Um, I am still waiting to hear the coach say like, I, I hope that we uh, we have solid tensile strength, but nice finesse. That's just not how people talk of these things. That's sort of how Mike Leach talks if you ask him. It is kind of, that is pretty close to leech, but that dude's also so far out into right field, but your point remains. Yeah. But, uh, your last, last thing, you know, Jason Eck talked about, uh, you know, FCS as a whole. And look, that was a theme at media day, not just from Jason Eck, not just from journalists, from the, from the head of the conference, uh, commissioner Tom Listrasil. As far as realignment, the FCS is at the mercy of other steps that have to take place first. Also, Tom Listrasil was open about fellow conference commissioners describing FBS as it's just about money. It's essentially two conferences working together with two cable channels who have a lot of money and whatever's left over after those guys figure out what they want to do. That's when it's going to start to impact levels like Idaho. But for now, you know, Idaho is in a conference that never mind the whole bowl game thing. There's only like four teams, even with the even with an expanded playoff. There's realistically at the FBS level, there's what six teams that have a priority even competing for a national championship. Well, Idaho's not in that. If the NIL thing is um distasteful to you based off how NIL operates at the top of college football. Well, NIL in the big sky is probably what most people wanted, wanted it to be, which is local companies were hooking up with athletes where like they get paid some or they get some sort of benefit, but it mostly just makes their life a little bit easier. It's not in your face. Um, I'm Jason Eck has always been open about the FCS feeling more pure. And I got to tell you, man, I, I completely buy 
when he describes it that way. Um, I'm ready to shift to the poll, Dallas. Uh, unless we want to bring Martin in. Well, I do want to bring Martin in. So is Martin listening? Martin, uh, any any takeaways you have from the interview before we shift to the media and coaches polls? It Just speaking from a fan perspective, it's gotten me fired up already. It's still late July and I want to buy season tickets again, but I already renewed them kind of deal. Okay. Well, you heard it from Martin. Uh, that actually does bring up one last thing that I want to go over Dallas. It relates to a point you made about Idaho coverage. So we know Stefan Wiebe from Lewiston Tribune is no longer covering university of Idaho football. There isn't a defined guy for U of I football at this point. Uh, Taryn Kowask, or I'm going to, I said his last name. He's a university of Idaho alum. We can get his handle up in a second. He was there for media media day. He, and by the way, he, he was doing good work. He spent a lot of time with Jason Eck, a uh, real friendly dude. Give him a shot. Uh, Follow him on, on Twitter. Check out stuff with the Lewiston Tribune. But, the you know, Dallas, you brought up increasingly Idaho. There isn't the same kind of continuity. Like Colton Clark covered U, University of Idaho football for a while. Uh, had a lot of time to build sources. And we, in the co- in the chat, we have Taryn's uh, Twitter handle. It's now uh, as a Chiron or Cryon uh, at, at TKSeahawk13 on Twitter. Follow him for his University of Idaho coverage if he keeps doing it. But look, Eastern Washington's in the same boat as Idaho. They don't have a full-time beat reporter at the Spokesman Review. Uh, this is just the way things are changing. If you guys like what we're doing, help us out. Hashtag only tubs. Uh, go to patreon.com backslash tubs of the club. Helps out. If you just want to do one-time donation, you don't care about doing the Patreon thing, just reach out to us on Twitter. We'll get it arranged. Dallas, the preseason polls. I'm just going to throw it to you. Uh, you looking for hot takes? You looking for me to read this off for our listeners? How do we want to approach this first? I'll set the table and let you react to it. So that's producing in public, guys. So Big Sky preseason polls, uh, both coaches and media. The co- Just to run through the list, University of Montana was number one in both the coaches and the media poll. Uh, there weren't that many differences between both both polls, but I'm going to run through them. One to 12 each coaches poll. Number one, Montana, two Sacramento state, three Montana state, four Weber state, five UC Davis, six Eastern Washington, seven Northern Arizona, eight Idaho, nine top five Portland state, 10 Cal Poly tied for 11th Idaho state in Northern Colorado. Look at the media side, Montana, like I said, first Montana state and second Sacramento state, third Weber, fourth UC Davis, fifth Eastern sixth NAU seventh, Top five, Portland State, eight, Idaho, nine, then 10, Cal Poly, 11, Northern Colorado, 12, Idaho State. So uh, Dallas, your reaction first. Let's let's go the whole, just look at the whole conference as a whole first. We'll talk about the Idaho part second. I think uh, conference as a whole, nobody has any idea what the hell is going to happen. I, I think that's what this poll says. Uh, if you look at the first place votes, Montana actually in the coaches poll, Montana had the least amount of first place votes, but yet still finished first with one point over Sacramento State, who is one point over Montana State. Montana had three first place votes. Sacramento State had four. Montana State had five. So the coaches have no idea what's what, what to expect here. Media poll shaped up kind of the same. Montana got 14 firsts. Montana State 13. Sacramento State four. And UC Davis actually had one. Um, in a conference where you can reasonably expect the first 
four, five teams to to have playoff aspirations going into the last weekend of the season. Maybe all five of them even get in. Looking at Montana, Montana State, Sac State, Weber State, UC Davis, that seems right. Uh, I don't see Weber State and UC Davis moving up into the top three. I do see them kind of being in that four or five range, but this this fits pretty accurately with what you'd expect. The Montana schools are just always going to be good, and Sac State has won the conference twice. Like the it fits, it feels right. It's kind of strange to see Cal Poly climbing the ranks a little bit, but it also shows how poorly Ed McCaffrey has handled Northern Colorado and. Idaho State has other issues at the moment. Um, anybody know what's going on with Devontae Neal yet? That Devontae Neal is the guy who was charged first-degree murder, correct? Yes, that is. Yeah, well, I know he's not coaching at Idaho <laughs> State. Uh, my So conference-wise, look, there's been a lot of turnover in some of the big names in the conference who've kind of been conference stars for the last couple years. For example, I, I think a ton of teams are still not – clear at all on what their quarterback picture is going to be. Idaho is just one of them, but it's the part that I I will say is clear perception wise, Montana, Montana state, Sacramento state should be understood before we actually see anyone play as the top, as the class of the conference. And after that, even though the media and Idaho, sorry, the media and coaches polls are pretty dang close for the most part, like both, both are ident, both have the exact same, top seven teams in their top seven with just minor shifts. Um, I do think, I do think once you get out of the top three, it is a lot of like, people have no idea how to parse who they're going to put. So I'd say spots four through eight are pretty damn up for grabs and could have, have a ton of movement, which doesn't mean that one of those teams wouldn't move into the top three, but like the Montana, Montana state, Sacramento state's a completely defensible. Uh, top three in whatever order you do uh, shifting now to Idaho, Dallas, Idaho, eight in coaches poll nine in media. What was your, what was your first reaction? So just for the the listeners who don't have the ability to see this. So in the coaches poll, Idaho ranked above Portland state, Cal Poly, Idaho state, and Northern Colorado in the media poll, Portland state was above Idaho, Cal Poly, Northern Colorado, Idaho state below. Uh, and I think that's, that's very it's very fitting of a preseason poll. That's exactly where I I had Idaho in my poll is that eight nine range. I don't see until until they can beat Northern Arizona in uh, in the dome again after that awful game last year. Um, I, I I just don't see any reason to put them above Northern Arizona at the moment. Eastern, yes, I know Eastern just lost Eric Berrier, but you you, you just can't do it with a, a guy his first head coaching job. No one knows what what's going to happen at the quarterback. You just you can't put him that high, at least to me. And then you're then you're looking at the maybe maybe not has beens, maybe more like never haves. Uh, Cal Poly, Noco, and Idaho State. I think it's pretty brain dead to be able to say Idaho is probably better than those teams just on talent alone. So naturally, they're going to probably be ahead of them in a preseason poll. I don't see any problem with this. I. I think about the highest I would have probably gone with Idaho was maybe seven um, being right around that Portland state area, top five, Portland state. That's, that's pretty accurate to me. For me, my, my takeaway, which I'm, I'm going to save going over. I'd put Idaho for our uh, future episodes, but suffice it to say, I would not have put Idaho as nine or eight. The word, if you're following Idaho, 
you're saturated for good reason with good Idaho news because Jason X is doing everything you could hope he, he's doing right now. We're getting some big recruits where there's culturally seems like the shift is good. But if you're look, if you're a big sky uh, coach, or if you're a big sky media member, who's not paying attention to tubs at the club all the time. Well, what you've seen out of Idaho in the big sky is essentially the exact same team every season for 2018, 2019 spring, 2021, and then fall 2021, which was, talented but underachieving meaning that's nearly half a decade of that output if you're not enmeshed in what's going on with idaho you probably should have a wait and see approach if you're not enmeshed in what's going on with idaho you put you should probably give aaron best the benefit of the doubt of being able to bring guys in to take over for some of the you know super COVID seniors like Eric Barrier and Tololo Limu Jones, who were huge in terms of their impact on Eastern. They're not there anymore. But again, you know, a guy like Aaron Best has only been good to okay as a head coach. We all love Jason Eck. He hasn't coached a game. So was my I was both a little shocked because I because I view Idaho in a much more favorable light to some of the teams above Idaho. Um, so part of me was like annoyed and shocked, whatever. But another part of me, like I just explained was, okay, well, until Idaho turns this into actual wins, if you're not following closely, there's probably no reason to move Idaho up. So uh, I guess Dallas, before we pivot out, do you feel you've already said like in some way, this seems reasonable for Idaho, but do you feel like these polls were at all disrespectful towards Idaho, Jason, Eck, what we've seen since he's been brought on? I, I really don't uh, like, and I, I know that I'm uh, the the negative Nancy over here, but I, I really don't. I also, I voted in these polls before I was part of Tubbs because of the, the whole journalism thing. So the way I look at it is I think your top five is pretty established. The Montana's Sac State, Weber State, UC Davis. I think those are a pretty solid top five. And then as you go down the list, Eastern, I think gets the benefit of the doubt. Like who knows what Gunnar Talkington or whatever other quarterback they're just going to find walking onto the field one day. Who knows what's going to happen there? And then you have NAU. They work. They're working through a bunch of issues with their quarterbacks last year. A little bit more experience makes sense to have them above Idaho. If you look at Idaho from the the standpoint that like the media is going to, you see okay, new head coach. He's he comes from a great program, but last year Idaho trotted out a whole bunch of quarterbacks and nobody put up incredible numbers. There's nothing here on this team that says. Idaho is like building. It's like, oh no, they they just lost Trey Walker. They just lost one of the best players in recent Big Sky history. This this feels right when you approach it from that standpoint. Obviously, for those that are a little bit more dialed in, and we see the energy around the program and the the change in coaching, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think that Idaho will finish higher than eighth or ninth. But going into it as a preseason poll, it, it honestly it lines up exactly perfect for me. I think there's two, a couple of spots that are disrespectful, mostly like the overall area. If you group, if you view the conference as tiers, Idaho's probably on the, at the bottom of what you might call the second tier based off these polls. Cause I don't think people understand Idaho as being a close to Cal Poly, Idaho state, Northern Colorado. I, I gotta say, man, Portland state getting the benefit of the doubt. They just graduated like their second best quarterback in program history. And they sucked. We Idaho. Well, we looked great the first half against Portland state last season, then tried very hard to lose, but Portland state. I, I don't, I don't think that's defensible putting Portland state above Idaho. I, 
I also maybe I'm a little more down on NAU. They were five, they were four and eight in Chris Ball's first season, five, um, five and six the next season. I don't think there's that much difference between the two. Like that is a minor upswing, but the winning percentage is better just because if NAU had had a an extra game in 2021, they probably would have lost in terms of what they schedule out of conference. So I I think. I guess that's what was shocking to me was seeing Portland state and NAU right around there. Um, but, and both NAU above Idaho and both. So I guess that's the part that I find disrespectful. I already went over the other, you know, the other six of Montana, Sac state, Montana state, Weber state, UC Davis, Eastern in some order. You, you can make a case of why you would put any of those guys over Idaho before we've seen a game out of Jason Eck. But I mean, what I, I don't think it's, going to be possible for Eck to be worse than Paul Petrino and Paul Petrino had us right around better than Portland state and right around NAU anyway. So just by any, any improvement whatsoever should put Idaho above those, but that that's my, I guess that's the the part that I found disrespectful. I'm also sure with how Jason Eck uses motivation. Look, I know it, it happens every single year with coaches, media polls, whoever feels like they're disrespected uh, that's used as bulletin board material. It happens every year because it works. So I in no I would in no way say oh, it's probably fine. It's probably not going to hurt Idaho overall to be where they're at because I bet you know we the last few seasons with Paul look Alex Boatman talked about it. Guys not being able to get up for big sky games, which is like that's a Paul Petrino problem. That's a those guys on the team problem. I don't think this year's team is going to have that problem. Just eliminate that from the last couple seasons and you have a couple extra wins. I completely agree. Uh, I just, I guess I'm looking at it from the 30,000 foot view of you have NAU returning much of the same guys. You'd think that they'd make a, a jump. They were pretty young. They still have a couple all, all conference talent out there. Portland state, for whatever reason, people love Barnum. And I, I think the dude's hilarious. I would love him as an Idaho assistant um, as a head coach. I don't think he's much, but I can see where, where I can see the, the idea of okay, NAU didn't just fire their coach. They they did beat Idaho last year. Portland State probably should have beat Idaho last year. Honestly, that second half of that game was so embarrassingly bad. I can understand where you look at Idaho and say, "Well, they fired their coach. They don't have a, an answer at quarterback." You you rank them low. Like I I get it. I'm not going to get upset or offended by it. I think Idaho will finish higher than this. But as a preseason poll, I. I I can understand NAU and Portland state both being ahead of Idaho and it, it sucks, but that's where we are. I like, it's not like Idaho's out there consistently punching with the UC Davises and Weber States of the world. They're, they're in bloodbath fights with NAU and Portland state. And that's just where the end of the Petrino tenure is. Hopefully again, hopefully Eck turns all of this around immediately. And next year we're talking about is Idaho, should Idaho be in the top three consideration? Hopefully that's where we're at, but, Right now, from the if you're not dialed into what Eck is doing with the program, I can understand people looking at Idaho and thinking they're just going to be another bottom half team again. I guess the way that I react is I am so fatigued with media and coaches in the big sky. And look, I mostly like media and coaches in the big sky. This is a narrow thing I'm frustrated with. How people haven't given up on Portland State is just just preposterous at this point. Like Bruce Barnum, clearly not a good coach. Portland State clearly cannot capitalize on the talent within the city of Portland 
even compared to other big sky schools, Portland, Portland State can't capitalize on that. I know people, I really believe that if Portland State were in a city that was not Portland, they would be understood this coming season as similar to Cal Poly, except Cal Poly trending up, Portland State trending down. We already covered some of it. Portland State lost some of the best talent they've had in a long time, and they still were no good or were not good last season. No way that Bruce Barnum has the turnaround there. Plus, we had Matt Brown on the show earlier uh, in this earlier this year. Portland State doesn't commit what they need to institutionally, so they're going to continue to have like they're not they're not going to get rid of Bruce Barnum until his contract expires. It's going to be like Idaho with Zach Kloss this year. Um, I, I just think Portland State should be understood as trending clearly down, and I don't need to talk about it. And Northern Arizona, I'm just not sold. I've, I watched Idaho lose to Northern Arizona a couple times over the last couple of years, just coming away incredibly unimpressed with Northern Arizona and just baffled at how Idaho found a way to lose those games. But it was not not a shock at the time. But again, I I don't look at NAU as this program clearly on the rise. They look like, okay, well, they're not the worst in the league, but they're not. Again, I don't see NAU on the schedule and think, oh my God, how, Dallas, how are we going to handle Northern Arizona this year? I mean, I thought that last year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily think that this year I think that but this is this is a whole other conversation that we will get into in future episodes but the, as far as Idaho preview I think there's a whole lot of optimism to be had in the fact that I don't think there's going to be other coaches laughing at how terrible our coach is anymore and I'll leave it at that I just th- I think that we're not going to have the problems that we've had the last four years which gives Anyways. us last sorry last point for us to, to go over now is preseason big sky teams and there look the reason I say last for now we're just going to end the episode at some point there's actually a ton of stuff that Tom Lister still brought up at media days that we'll probably get to actually there's one more we'll get to after this but all conference team look it's listed up on the screen for viewers if you're a listener you're just gonna have to look this up I'm not going to read the entire all conference team but uh, Idaho has one member on the all, on the Big Sky preseason All Conference team. It's on defensive side of the ball. Uh, Favai Favai inside linebacker is, was voted voted to the All Big Sky team. Jason Eck has named him a captain. Jason Eck and Rob Larich on our shows have talked about how he has been clearly a leader on the defensive side of the ball. So seeing that name on the list, a little bit of a surprise when you look at the preseason poll of Idaho not being thought of as great and Favai was good for Idaho last year, but he was certainly overshadowed by Trey Walker. Uh, Dallas, you look at this big sky all conference team overall, any surprises in your mind? Not really. Um, I mean, the, the quarterback situation is just kind of unsettled across the conference still. So touchdown Tommy as the Montana state, folks like to coin him makes sense as the the all-conference QB obviously I think that they got the running backs correctly wide receiver it's a bummer that Hayden Hatton didn't make it but obviously you can't go off of a guy's historical output you have to go from the previous season and I don't see anything in here that screams completely wrong especially when it comes to Idaho I don't see anybody on here there's a couple guys I can make an argument for that might be on the team 
at the end of the season, but I don't I, I don't see anything in here that's that's terribly weird. I mean, Robbie Houck makes it to this every year, um, and that's about the one head scratcher to me. I feel like there's other safeties that could make it in over him, but uh, you look across at Anthony Adams, I, w- I would argue is the best corner in the in the conference. I think Morgan Vest is probably the best safety in the conference. Like, uh, it feels like a lot of these names, a lot of these names have been on the lists before. I don't see anything that's terribly crazy. Cap Dan jumping in and saying Therese will be in the conversation at the end of the year. I absolutely can see that. Like, honestly, I can see Zach Borish getting on at either receiver or running back or I don't know what they'd put him on. Uh, there's, there's enough guys that there's shots for some vandals to make it at the end, but I can see why right now Favai Favai is the only one. It makes sense. So to take things in kind of reverse order, Dallas, the place that Zach Borish can make based off the positions right now are athlete. Asher O'Hara, quarterback from Sacramento State, is listed. Just the acronym's AP. Is, that's just athlete because Asher O'Hara. He is he's kind of like a less versatile version of Zach Borish on Sacramento State, but he got more dedicated touches and wasn't running it up middle every play last year. So uh, that explains that for me. But just if, for if listeners are curious, hey, uh, how could a slash get there? That's one of the one spots as an athlete. Rest of the conference, I think quarterback. I, I wouldn't have voted for Tommy Malott as quarterback. He has two total. Uh, Actually, that's a lie, man. He has one good outing as a passing quarterback. It is in the uh, FCS uh, semifinals against South Dakota State. He went 10 of 15 for 233 yards. Now, of course, he's a good runner. Ran for 155 yards against South Dakota State. But that was an outlier. He didn't start for most of the season. So, you know, some of this is small sample size. But in the sample size that he had, Malat. I think people are assuming a lot of growth on this on behalf of Tommy Malott right now to vote him best quarterback in conference when he has two total games in his career passing for more than 100 yards. Uh, probably the best option in my mind would have been Jake Dunaway at Sacramento State, but the overall point, Dallas, you're right. It, look, we're in a kind of different swing of quarterbacks in the Big Sky right now. A ton of really good guys have been the con- have graduated out of the conference in the last three or four years. I mean, keep in mind, 2019, Case Cookus was the third, what, the third best quarterback in the conference, Dallas, in 2019. And he's an all-time big sky level quarterback in terms of contribution. We just have exited a really, really great era of quarterback play in big sky football. And now we have, I don't mean this euphemistically. I don't mean this as a put down. A lot of teams are going to have guys who are a little bit more game managers, but in a positive sense, not the euphemism of like, you know, Mark Sanchez was a game manager because he sucked and people felt like they couldn't say he sucked. But there are guys who are game managers who look that you, you know, you don't want them passing 50 times a game, but they are, they can be effective moving the ball. Jake Dunaway was kind of like that for Sacramento state last year. I expect we'll have a handful of guys like that in the conference this year, but that's, that explains why a guy like Tommy Malat, where it seems like it's the Montana media and he like captain 58 said he has a, uh, he has a nickname with the word touchdown in it. So hard to go against that. Um, otherwise I mean, just, I do want to just quickly point out the, the stats here of the returning quarterbacks. You have Barry gone, Davis, Alexander gone, Justin Miller. Thank God is gone. Jake Dunaway had 12 touchdown passes last year. RJ Martinez at NAU had 14. 
Matt McKay is gone. Like, so there, there really isn't a whole lot. Like you said, there's not a whole lot of guys left that are, are putting up cook as like numbers. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, and some of the style of play, like we, we can look at the different teams in terms of success in the conference. Montana made it to the final eight with terrible offense last season. Cause they're, they're more about, you know, controlling the ball. Montana state could score better than Montana last year, but they had the same basic style. They were not, they were beating Colorado by 500, but they were not beating everyone by scores like that. Eastern Washington was kind of the outlier. Well, this season, Aaron Best has a guy who, by all accounts, Gunnar Talkington is a game manager type of guy, meaning not going to pass like Aaron, Aaron, Eric Berrier. And Aaron Best forever, it's not been a secret. He's wanted Eastern to run a ton more. He's an offensive line guy. This is just kind of the evolution of the conference. Uh, last takeaway, though, that I want to go over with the teams. There's kind of a weird split in terms of talent. Uh, Montana wins both coaches and media poll. There's not a single Montana Grizzly on the first team all-conference all-conference offensive roster, but they make up 33 or so percent of the defensive roster. Then Montana State has three guys on the all-conference offensive team, Tommy Malott quarterback, Isaiah Fonze running back, and RJ Fitzgerald's fullback. But only one on the de- on the defensive side. So I guess what I'd say is the way I would interpret these rosters, the defensive talents in this league, even though there's been turnover as there is in college sports, but it's different on the offensive side of the ball, defensive talent. It's a lot, lot more known quantities. Otherwise look, Ulonzo Gilliam was the offensive player of the year. He tried to leave UC Davis. So really there's just a lot of unknown quantities on the offensive side of the ball. That's where, that's where it'll be fun for the upcoming season uh dallas you've been filibustered i'm gonna filibuster you for like 10 more seconds uh just some news i have after making making the rounds of media days um big as far as broadcast this year this is different for both idaho and the big sky um every sing, all but one idaho home game right now is going to be carried on swx for sure which means and SWX is very likely going to try to nail down that last one. There's a little bit of confusion right now. The hierarchy in airing Big Sky games in terms of the rights to the broadcast itself goes ESPN first. And ESPN has a couple of uh, primetime games for the conference. It's the Montana schools. Scripps is the second network that has the choice, but they're, they're replacing Root Sports. Root Sports completely out of the picture. But Scripps, they're just airing the Montana, Montana State games as the games that they're going to take, which will still be available on ESPN plus with no regional blackouts for that. That leaves other entities as kind of the third level to try to negotiate games. SWX has picked up all, like I said, all but one of the Idaho games happened because Eastern Eastern Washington and Idaho do not play home the same week as each other at all this season. So, it's a little bit uh, more effortless for the local broadcast of SWX, which is professional grade to pick it up. Dallas, you've been filibustered hearing that. And also hearing that from a, from the Vandal perspective, all you have to do to watch games now is either go to the dome or have ESPN plus the end, nothing else. Don't have to worry about VPNs. Don't have to worry about extra logins, just ESPN plus ESPN plus or tickets. Dallas, your reaction to media news. Um, my reaction is ESPN plus is the best goddamn thing to happen to this conference in a long time. Um, and I, I could not argue that more. Um, it is so nice to just know that 
All I have to do is open up ESPN Plus and I can watch every single Vandal game. I don't have to worry about, shit, they're on Root Sports this weekend. I don't have cable. I don't want to go to a bar and watch the game in in Eastern land when there's like three people in Spokane that are even caring about the Big Sky Conference. Like I, I don't want to have to deal with that and I don't have to. You don't have to go down to the bar and say, hey, can you put up Pluto TV? You just open up ESPN Plus and boom, it's it's there. And it it is... Man, it is just so nice to know, like, we're going to be able to watch every game just in one place. You don't have to worry about trying to, you want to watch the Brawl of the Wild? Good luck. Hopefully, you know somebody with Root Sports. Like, you don't have to worry about that anymore. We're moving finally into the 21st century. Let's hope that maybe the new century is going to give Idaho some wins. We're only starting 22 years late. And if you're new to this, ESPN Plus loads the games afterward right after the game finishes so if you can't watch the game or if you know you're going to miss like the first half because of work or something like that but you want to see the whole thing you still can you could that was not on the table with pluto tv you could upload like the games were uploaded a day or two later on the big sky channel but the the playback was nowhere near as good so uh every i'm going to co-sign everything dallas said with the addition of the FCS has, um, they have a pregame show that was on YouTube last year called All In with Sam Herter, uh, Craig Haley, some other guys. That is now going to be on ESPN Plus as pregame material. And the next evolutionary step in the ESPN Plus Big Sky contract is getting schools to care if schools don't have an SWX or some other channel doing pregame postgame on TV. The push is going to be for schools to start having pregame postgame live content. Now we of course are one version of that and we think we'd be better anyway. But if you're, if you're a person who's wondering how is ESPN plus benefiting the conference? Well, clearly we just talked about the playback Dallas, We already talked about the ease of use, but now Look, we're moving towards a much more professional orientation towards FCS football. Um, again, th- this partnership has been nothing short of a, of a home run. I asked uh, Commissioner Wistrasil uh, if they're if we're approaching the point of minimum minimum standards of broadcast for schools, which is irrelevant for Idaho if SWX is carrying everything. But he said we're not quite there yet, but it's moving in that direction of look, places are, are being given money, they're being given time. We're starting to push the direction we want these things to go minimum standards, meaning like Portland state, not being able to have an awful broadcast all the time. Uh, Idaho state needing to do a little bit better. The conference isn't officially there, but we're, we're getting pretty close. Dallas, we're at an hour and 15. I'm going to give you one last chance to bring anything up or we're going to call it a night. I believe in Jason Eck. That's it. That's the statement. Okay. <laughs> well, look, I caught you off guard with that one, huh? No. Well, here's the thing: we've I had this discussion with a, a couple guys in media day because of how look. If you look at the coverage we do of Idaho basketball, because Idaho basketball sucks, you should like it should come across as antagonistic. Half the time, I half feel like I'm doing something wrong coming across as a fanboy. But look, it's been good football news, and now we get better conference football news and. And we didn't just lose our biggest rivalry game because of, you know, athletic administration stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. So again, like the, I'm with you on believing in Jason neck fingers crossed that uh, obviously this, this has turned to actual wins. I believe we're going to get some We're but we're going to have those games coming up first game, September 3rd, as far as our schedule guys, 
we're of course going to have an all big sky conference preview. We're going to have an Idaho team specific preview. And then the week of the WSU game, we're going to have a preview, but between that means next week, we're, we're really close to that. See that run of weeks starting. We're not going to record next week. We're going to message out to patrons. We're going to do our first tubs call uh, to get, I mean, one, just talk to people, get feedback, see, p- talk to you guys about some ideas, um, see how, you, see how you take them. We're going to be publishing that in the discord and getting people individually who've paid and are not yet in the discord. If you, that, if being part of that interests you join at patreon.com backslash tubs of the club to so join hashtag only tubs or message us directly on Twitter. You can do the tubs account. You can do my account. Uh, if you're a person who wants to make a one-time donation, we have ways to do that. Just get right to us. But if you're a patron, we're going to get to you about Tubbs Call for the incoming week. And with that, Martin has an outro an outro queued up. It's time to close it out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday.